0: I'm Alan Barr, and this is Radio Free RPG. Hello, I'm Alan Barr, and welcome to Radio Free RPG. I'm joined today by my guest, Alex T. of Black Oath Entertainment. Welcome, Alex.
1: Hello, Alan. How are you doing? Thanks. I for am
0: doing you. very well. How are you today?
1: I'm fine. I'm fine. Finally recovering from uh, a bout of, of fluid. I, I've been sick for a few weeks, almost months. But yeah, I'm, I'm doing better now. Thanks.
0: Well, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, so you are joining us from Spain. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, here in Madrid, Spain. Yeah.
0: All right. Yeah. Here in North Dakota, we are currently in blizzard conditions with a white out of snow. So... <laughs>
1: That's nice.
0: <laughs> I imagine your weather's a little better than ours right now.
1: Yeah. Well, today is getting a little bit colder. And we're supposed to be on minus three this night, minus three Celsius. I, right now, I don't know how much that is in Fahrenheit. <laughs> but yeah, it's a little bit cold, but definitely not definitely not cold to, to, compared to your standards. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. Um, so... Alex, I'm really, I'm really pleased you've joined, uh, joined me today for this interview as I'm a huge fan of the work black oath entertainment puts out, uh, specifically sacrifice is one of my favorite games. It was my favorite game of 2022. Yeah. I saw that, uh, I'm,
1: it's really, really humbly. So thank you very much. Of course. Thank I'm, I'm thrilled to pick
0: you. your brain about this. So awesome all right so why don't you tell us a little bit about your history and how you got into designing and creating role-playing games
1: yeah so I guess as as most people I started playing as a when, I don't know in early 90s and uh, 1992 something like that I mean most people of my generation like you so yeah early 90s and um and, of course, I ended up being a forever GM, which meant doing a lot of homebrewing and writing and that kind of stuff, you, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, it was just a natural step going from that to to starting to, to make games for other people. So it was almost uh, out of necessity because um, I ended up, uh, for a while, fortunately, I have a group now. But for a while, quite a long while, I had no group whatsoever. So sure. I discovered the I discovered the world of, of solo RPGs. And okay. uh, conc- <clears throat> yeah, concretely, things like D one hundred Dungeon and For Against uh, Darkness, Zorn, this kind of stuff. And um, I was really, really, really having a lot of fun with uh, with For Against Darkness. And okay. to, to the point that uh, I actually wrote a um, a sci-fi hack, which was, well, a hack. It was like a whole game. It was a whole sci-fi game. And, and I wrote the, I wrote Andrea, the creator, said, look, I have this. Maybe you would like to, to publish it because I saw that this was before he started branching out with, I don't know if you're familiar with Ganesha Games and the little... Side th- I mean, his main thing is 4 Against Darkness, but then he has yep. this 4 Against the Old Ones and I don't know, all this, or <laughs> 4 Against Mars. He has all these side games in the same yep. style. Yeah, so so it was before he started with all those. And I, I came to him saying, look, I have this idea. I think maybe you'll like to, to because I knew he worked with other people, so maybe you would like to release it. And it was called 4 Against the Void. And he told me I'm working with another guy who's writing writing the exact same thing with the exact same title. Seriously, so initially we were talking about um, working the the that other guy, Andrea, and and, and me, uh, the, the three of us, releasing this thing. And I don't know, the thing never really nothing happened with that. I, I mean, no Four Against the Void" has been released, so I don't know what happened on his end. But I said, okay. Um, apparently, I, I can do this because I, I remember doing that in like a week. Wow! Yeah, I was like, I took it in and then okay, I'm going to do this, and I wrote sixty pages of the game in a week. It's easy when you're working, working from uh, an existing system, as as you know. But yeah, yes. from that, I said, I said, okay, I, I think I'm I'm ready. I'm going to write a game from scratch from for myself, and and that's how I wrote Disciples. A Bone in Shadow, which I sent to Exalted Funeral, to Matt. And Matt loved it, and he said, okay, yeah, I'm publishing this, and well, from there to, to now.
0: Awesome, That's uh, so when, when did you write, when would you say you kind of started this journey of being a publisher? Uh,
1: 2018, I'd say.
0: Okay, yeah. so only five years ago.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Wow, that's quite a quite an amount of success in five years.
1: Yeah, I've been lucky. Initially, to to ride the success together with Exalted Funeral because when I started working, I mean uh, my game Disciples of Bonencha was almost their. F- I mean, yeah, no, they had released uh, which uh, which final was it called? Uh, Luca Reyes, his game. Uh, which final was it called? Burner Yeah, burner That was okay, actually yes. the first uh, the first Exalted Funeral release, but shortly after was was Disciples, and and from then. Well, Exalt like, the Funeral exploded, and they released uh, my other games because uh, Beyond the Shroud. I mean, I, I wrote their success with them in that sense. And, it really, mm-hmm. and also the fact that solo games are really a uh, very, very niche area or used to be before the pandemic. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. Better for worse. And uh, yeah, I don't know. A bit of g- good luck in, in coincidences, I suppose.
0: Good good timing to be involved in that space.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Good time.
0: Wonderful. Well, I let's start with Sacrifice. So I am a massive fan of Sacrifice. Hmm. I when I talk to people about it, it is the role-playing game that sort of opened the potential of solo role-playing games to me. I did not understand them very well. They felt foreign and difficult. Um, And that was the game, because it was on a familiar sort of D20 framework I was familiar with that really made it easy for me to click into it and understand how this is supposed to happen. So what is Sacrifice? What inspired it? Where did it come from?
1: Yeah, so it's funny that you say that uh, you got started in, in solo RPGs with Sacrifice. Which is the only non-solo RPG I wrote. I mean, it has the it has the solo expansion, right. But I mean, the core little booklet is, you, as you know, is no. It's very fr- fr- solo friendly because I, I just can't help it. But, yes. Yeah. It's it doesn't have the typical oracles and and tables that you kind of need to play solo. Right. But, but yeah, the the idea uh, behind uh, sacrifice. Uh, was born from my crazy binge reading of uh, Berserk, the 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 manga by Kentaro Miura. Yes. Yeah. yeah so I, I I've always been a fan of his of his work. I I had the manga since the early nineties. I was reading it. I was always a big fan, but I lost track of it. I didn't read it in a long time. And then, well, with his unfortunate passing, I said, okay, let's let's revisit it. And, and it was better than I remember. And so I, I devoured the whole thing in like two weeks. And wow. of I, said, uh, I said, okay, I, I have to make a game out of this. I'm, I'm obsessed. I need, I need to get this obsession out. So I, I just sat and wrote sacrifice in, in a month. So, yeah.
0: Wow. That's great. Um, now the core setting of sacrifice is one that you have termed, uh, iron and incense or incense and
1: iron yeah incense and iron yeah
0: incense and iron yes um which well not a new genre this might be the first time such a label has been applied to it
1: yeah i i realize that there's a, this recurring theme in a lot of fantasy and well not not necessarily only fantasy but a lot of fiction with the dark um um Let's say Catholic Church-like organization looming above sure. a medieval peasant feudal society. So, mm-hmm. so I just kind of tied the knots and and followed the trail of okay, which which stories have this kind of setting and and themes? What do they have in common? And and how could I yeah tie the thing together? Like just to to frame it into a um a genre. So, yeah, that's okay. how I, I came with the idea of incense and iron. I, I find in this, uh, this, this kind of stories, which, like I said, the the main thing is that they have this big, uh, looming, oppressive church which controls all aspects of uh, of society. Yes. Usually very corrupt. Uh, it ne- not necessarily, but most of the times, and definitely for my personal taste, it has an, uh, an element of the supernatural with a lot of demonic. Influence and corruption and, and this kind of things. And um, and yeah, overall, uh, uh, themes of um, how inhumans, humans can be. So like the worst thing that can happen to humanity is humanity itself by its own repression and and, and the corruption that that can bring both supernatural and not supernatural. Okay. So yeah, things that... like... Um, Sorry, sorry you were going to say.
0: Oh no, I it's a very evocative genre that I think a lot of us are intrinsically familiar with because of sort of the monolithic uh history of religion in western culture.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, and personally from I mean, I was raised Catholic, so and on top of that with a strong day upbringing, so yes, I know a lot about all about <laughs> all that kind of stuff. So
0: Yes. Whereas yeah. I was raised Mormon, so I am familiar with you know again the large church with a lot of that influence.
1: Yeah, well, with, with everything that it implies.
0: Yes. It's... Um. So one of the great things about sacrifice is the gorgeous art. the The art is this beautiful black and white, stunning, almost a uh, watercolor or uh, ink uh, vibe to it that really sets the mood with this almost muddy splotchy uh in a very artistic designed sense appearance uh what made you go with that particular style now obviously some of it's an homage to berserk and its artist but uh there are a lot of other ways you could have taken that as well
1: yeah so i i can't really take much credit on on that regard i just I was following the the artist who, who's done all the art for Sacrifices Simone Tamieta, Tamieta. Uh, yes. also, known, also known as Orb and yeah Simone he he has a really particular style and and it really speaks to me I'm 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 very fond of that kind of dark uh, evocative art style he yeah, has so I I I just thought okay this guy is just perfect for for this project and and it's, it's the the way I usually prefer working with artists. I just give them a small, one phrase idea and and let them run with it. So I I can't take much credit for for the for the art. <laughs> That's in that sure. regard. I just I'll just tell them things like, okay, make a, make a demon, or make a woman with armor. <laughs> and he will just do the rest you know so, yeah, sometimes it's, it's
0: those uh trusted collaborations are fantastic though because yeah, you I... know you can hand them something and you'll get something amazing back
1: exactly i i think that since um if you're going to work with an artist it's i think it's good to show why you chose that artist and let them show what they're good at and and, and what the the setting um evokes to them so yeah it's just very easy and natural working with simone
0: yes i i've done some work with simone and i would have to second that they have been fantastic to work with and yeah. you don't have to give them much direction they just nail it every time
1: yeah yeah and and so fast he's such a hard-working guy he's very yes. <laughs> very, very yes
0: <laughs> yes so um moving on from Sacrifice, which I would heartily recommend everyone check out, and I will include links below. Um, I think LFOSR might have some of the special edition left. If so, I will include a link because it is truly a gorgeous package worth every penny.
1: Yeah, um, he still has some copies, yeah. So so yeah, definitely awesome. grab one of those because they are gorgeous.
0: Yes. Um your most recent release is a game called Godshard. Yeah. Now Godshard is this uh sort of post apocalyptic fantasy water world with a big ocean hex crawl solo play element to it
1: yeah so uh, what
0: what inspired that like i i don't ocean based hex crawls are not a thing i immediately would go to when designing a game
1: yeah honestly i i can't really say this or that was the precise Source of influence for for that game. I just uh, I for a while I I wanted to to make some kind of really f- uh, focus a game really focused on hex crawling. The mm-hmm. idea of having a, an ocean hex scroll with small islands and random encounters with other crews and ships and direct ships and I don't know. It was just it sounded cool to me, so I, I just.
0: That's the best reason to do something.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just it wasn't it wasn't this concrete thing. I just said, okay, I have this bunch of ideas I want to work with, and I have some cool idea for a setting, and I just put it all together, and yeah, uh, there you have God Shard. So okay, yeah, God Shard is
0: delightful. It's a very interesting uh, experience to play.
1: Thanks. Yeah, I tried to, to streamline the, the, all the exploration rules as much as I could and make it very clear what the steps to explore the, either the ocean or, or how, what, to use, what to do with the, with the encounters or how to explore an island, how to explore the different ruins and settlements that you can find in the islands. So I was trying mm. to really gamify all the, all, the, all the elements, which really help when, when you're playing solo. yes it's solo game out of the box so
0: let's talk about solo rpgs so as they are relatively new to me um but your work has inspired me to start designing some and some of the feedback you've given me has been instrumental so as we've talked about solo rpgs you have pointed out that one of the most important elements in your eyes as a designer is that the game provides enough tools and tables to remove. Any non in character decision making from the player,
1: yeah, for me, that's absolutely crucial. I know not that not everybody will agree because um, you have a sure actually i will I will you could argue that the opposite idea is the most popular one because most solo games right now are very narrative focused and and require a great deal of improvisation, which, yeah, it's. It, uh, it's amazing that it works for some people, but it doesn't work that well for me. And, sure. and, since, I, and since I make games first and foremost for myself, um, that's not the route I, I, I like to take. So sure. for example, um, Iron Sorn, which is a really, really fantastically designed game. Yes. When I was, when I was playing it, I, it's just things like the combat and the, I mean, there was a lot of hand waving, like I, I would say. Uh, I had to stop a lot of times and it's like, okay, there's no precise rule for this. I have to come up with my own uh, ruling. So that kind okay. of things really breaks the immersion for me. They, the fact that you have to be all the time um, putting the GM hat, which is something I do all the time already because I am still the forever GM. Sure. <laughs> I get to play. So when I play a solo RPG, I want to be the player and make as little, as as few decisions as I as I can. I think so, that's
0: a reasonable position to be in as a solo player.
1: Yeah. So I think that providing with as many tools and tables and oracles and in clear step by step is, I think they are crucial to to avoid that. And uh, okay, what do I do now? Uh, what's the next step? what what happened? what What's the situation? How do I resolve it? If you always can pull this rule or this table or I don't know, I, I think at least for me personally it's it's much easier to to not get to that point where you're stuck with the story.
0: Sure. that makes sense. So one of the I, I, as I've delved more into solo role playing games, I've sort of started to categorize them in two genres. The the first one is the immersive, uh, I'll call it rules heavy style of gameplay, much like what you design or uh, things like Mythic GM. Yeah. Um, and then the other one is feels very much more like a sort of journaling style of role playing game with writing prompts that have been gamified. Yeah. Uh, do you like the kind of journaling solo games, things like, uh, among the stars, etc.?
1: Mm, no, I'm afraid I'm not. No, they're, they're not my style of, of game. I, okay. I'm, 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 I always favor crunchy style of games and, and more so when I'm playing solo.
0: Sure. As many skills as possible.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, so I don't have to decide which skill should I use because it's theirs right there it's very clear (laughs) clear I want to make a history check I know I use the history skill (laughs) right
0: you don't you don't have to make decisions that your character wouldn't have to make
1: yeah exactly interesting so
0: uh what is kind of what is coming next for you I assume you intend to keep making solo role-playing games
1: yeah, um, I, I it was fun to and very easy and fast to make sacrifice without solo rules, but I, I corrected I corrected immediately with the companion expansion and added the solo rules here because people were immediately saying, "Where are the solo rules?" But okay, okay, sorry, I'm not doing this again. Yeah, so, I
0: suppose if you have a reputation to follow.
1: Yeah, yeah. So yes, um, in in any case, I have my my tool set of solar rules which are very easy to just take and adapt to the different games. Sure. But that's what I'm doing with the. I did that with God Shard. I, I did that with a Path of the Arm which is the next little game I, I have in the. Well, it's just, it's, it's done it. I'm just waiting for the artist to, to finish the last few illustrations. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, I have like four or five illustrations missing and once, <clears throat> excuse me, once that, well, that's, is, uh, sorry,
0: that, that's, uh, so let's talk about path. So what is path?
1: Yeah. So path of the arm theory is, uh, it's, uh, what I'm calling the progression fantasy RPG.
0: Okay.
1: So for those of you who are not familiar with progression fantasy, it's a subgenre of, uh, fantasy literature, which focuses on, character development, and kind of uh, this uh, Chinese uh, xianxia stories, which are really focused on cultivation and developing your power. Like all the shonen manga and anime that you can think of, like Dragon Ball, all that is progression fantasy. Okay. I'm a big, big, big fan of of that kind of things. Actually, one of the main reasons I love RPGs is character development. Okay. it's crucial for me to have a meaningful character progression system in, in a game. So I I made a game focused on that. So the the thing with Path of the Arm there, the setting is is quite Celtic uh, Viking, at least sure. aesthetically. Maybe not so much in themes, but okay. visually. And once you see the game, yes, you, you can see it's definitely drawing inspiration from all that. That kind of things, but uh, the gameplay—it's I think it's fun. It's uh, you have this, you're this uh, warrior who goes around exploring a new continent. Well, new for them. It's right. It's uh, it's uh, it's an old land which was blocked for, for for your character and 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 those like him mm-hmm. for, uh, for for centuries. So you arrive to this new world and you see all this you thought you were at the peak of your power and you see that you are nothing, but you see a, a way to to improve yourself. And this is by defeating uh, creatures which have, in uh, this way, it's a little bit similar to Pokemon maybe, <laughs> because you go defeating creatures to collect uh, different powers which you can adapt to your personal uh, path of of, of progression. Okay. So, yeah, in a way, your all characters are, Basically, magicians because you all cast powers and you have—I mean—you have the option of just being here with your sword, or your spear, or whatever, doing things. But yeah, you're going to be doing very high fantasy, flying, uh, throwing fireballs, and becoming invisible, merging with shadows—all these kind of things. And okay. the, fun, the fun aspect is, is that is exploring, seeing which creatures you can find that have the kind of powers that you want so you can defeat more powerful um, opponents. Because the game, how it's in that way set a bit like an MMO. So it has, um, the map is like divided in different sections and with different uh, character levels. So if you want to move to the next section, you need to be this precise level to. To, to be able to to explore that, sure. so yeah, it's it's a it's exploration and, and progression, and that's that's the thing. If you like mm, creating new and weird and very uh, tailored characters, this is the game for you.
0: <laughs> okay, well, that's really interesting. I'm excited to uh, now, as a member of your Patreon, I've seen uh, a pretty complete draft of it. And so anybody who wants to see it, uh, backing the Black Oath Patreon is well worth it. Alex is one of the most uh, communicative Patreons I've ever backed, uh, constantly updating and making sure people have access to their items. It's well worth the uh, the cost if you're at all interested in Alex's work. So check out the Black Oath Patreon. I'll include a link in the show notes.
1: Oh, Thanks. It's, sometimes I wonder if I'm too too in- informative because my weekly updates <laughs> maybe are too much, but yeah, it's it's nice that they are appreciated.
0: Yeah. Um. So we've we've discussed some of your upcoming work. You're working on something now. You've been talking about with Patreons. Ah, uh, for the uh, is called Rift Breakers.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, so tell I'm- me about Rift Breakers. Well, it's uh, this is a game I've been thinking about for quite a while, and it, it's also one of my what I'm calling small projects because my okay. my main focus after my well the I, I, you're familiar with it the Across a Thousand Dead Worlds which was this big science fiction project that I it's it was on Kickstarter last year and all that so after that my next big project was supposed to be Empire and Dying. But I, okay. I've taken a little bit of a break to release all these smaller projects which take me one, two months to, to write because I'm having a lot of uh, fresh ideas and I don't want to, to let them to let right. them go to waste. Something sure. with, with Rift Breakers is uh, it's heavily inspired by by MMOs uh, like um, World of Warcraft or other okay. trolls on, online, this kind of things. In in the sense that um, the focus of it is is dungeon delving and in um, crafting and, and and character progression, so it has sure. a very 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 complex, but at the same time very simple and intuitive system for um, character development, mm-hmm. which um, you start by picking like four. Mm, I call them hearts. In the game, calling heart, they are called hearts. They they could be almost like classes okay. because they each have this very distinct flavor. Like you have the Bastion heart, which is all uh, protection styled powers, or you have the the Shadow heart, which well, it's like rogue type of powers. Of the arc- arcane heart, which is more mage type of utility and, and and spells. So you can choose four of those. You have uh, in the game right now. You have, um, I think, it was sixteen. Okay. You can, can mix and max, uh, mix and match. Sorry, the 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 four whichever combination you want, and each one of those four hearts gives you a set of five powers. So you end up with a tool set in total of twenty powers, which you can. It's really customizable. You just choose which ones you want to use, which ones you have active. Uh, so that that um, that gives you a huge range of possibilities in, in character builds, and then okay. the 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 thing with the game is just uh, you uh, you arrive to a uh, you wake up in a in the middle of a labyrinth without knowing who you are, where you come from, why are why are you there? You you just don't know anything. You have complete amnesia. So you, while you explore that labyrinth, which is the character creation rules is done a bit like a tutorial for. A, like starting zone in, a, in an MMO, so you go through these right. events that uh, well you get gear you get the you learn about the hearts you you uh, gain a couple of hearts to start combining things so you start building your character there and then you are loosening into the world you arrive to the capital capital city of the of the region, and there they explain to you that you are this what they call a stranger it's, um a special powered uh, human. Well, it doesn't have to be human. I mean, by default they are all humans because I, I in my games I, I don't like having other uh, races, ancestries, whatever you want to call it. Um, okay. But you, you can be quite unusual looking. I, you have all these random tables. So by the default is human, basic standard earth human, but you can end up with horns or green skin or being halfling size. I mean, you have all these variations. So, so yeah, you are considered human, but you can end up looking like something very weird. <clears throat> so it turns out that only those who come from the labyrinth have the power to use all these hearts. And they are the only ones who can deal with the rifts that are open all over the, the area and, and just spitting out monsters and monsters and monsters. So your job as a stranger is to get into those rifts, Okay. Uh, explore them, find the Rift Lord, uh, deal with him, and 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 that way you close the rift. And well, the, so these rifts are like kind of self-contained dungeons that can appear all over the the area. So yeah, I, I don't know. I think it, it's a fun little game, kind of fun, right? Yeah, now.
0: that's exciting. I I've seen some of the uh, some of the previews, and and very interested to see what the final product looks like. I think there's a lot there to uh hang your hat on and explore. That'll be very interesting for players.
1: Yeah, I think um I'm coming up with a few quite original things like the crafting system. I don't think I ever seen anything like that in, in any RPG. And right. the in the follower system, I'm I'm pretty happy with it too. So I don't know. I think it has some cool ideas that people will like.
0: Yeah, I I make I would recommend everybody back to Patreon and check it out. I'm gonna say that a lot today, it seems like. So <laughs> So, Alex, uh, aside from role-playing games, you also have a significant interest and involvement in music as a musician. Yeah. So let's talk about that for a minute. How does music and your time as a musician uh, influence your role-playing game work?
1: Mm, Well, I've been dealing with music pretty much all my life at this point. I mean, not as long as with RPGs because, yeah, I... I started in the early 90s but very shortly after mid 90s I was already playing so yeah it's it's just a fundamental cornerstone of my life and it's unavoidable that at, at least aesthetically it will influence uh, my role playing uh, worlds and creations because well I, uh, as you know I'm I'm really into extreme metal and and all Things dark when it comes to music, so of course I, if you grab God Shard, there's no doubt what kind of influences you I have. So yeah, it's all death metal, black metal, all these kind of things. Sure. So they create this kind of a non-visual language that uh, and, and landscape that is just very easy to to take in and to transform into a setting. I mean. All the stoner doom and this kind of funeral doom music really influenced that, for example, uh, Disciples of Bone and Shadow, which you can see a little bit through the aesthetic side of the covers and the setting, this this desolate landscape. I mean, uh, it's really, or at least for me, it it really uh, speaks uh, of doom metal. (laughs) Yes. The same goes for Godshard, all this uh, twisted, demonic, corrupted cults and weird things its all it's all just death metal is that filthiness from death metal that that I wanted to to pour into the game
0: okay um, that it's very interesting to me how influence uh, impacts game design uh, both you know movies books but as well as music I think is I find some of my best inspiration in particular music or artists when I'm working.
1: Yeah, it's. I always make a at least for myself a, a playlist for the oh. for the each kind of setting I, I want to to work okay. on. Okay. So some of them I share. I, I I did share a few of the. For example, the Disciples of Bone and Shadow playlist was are floating around there. The one for sure. uh, a Thousand Dead Worlds was also. I think that one is still linked on the, the Discord on Black House Discord. Okay, so, that's so, really so interesting. Yeah, I, I always make this. Uh, this uh, playlist for for myself and then for others. Cool,
0: yeah, I'm a big fan of that. I think that's a, I think that's a great way to communicate how the creator sees the game.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was even considering more than once recording some some music for for my games, but I don't. Know, I always end up not doing it. Uh, ah, yeah, you should
0: I mean, absolutely do that. I would love to hear what that sounds like.
1: Yeah. For example, the the trailer for the Kickstarter uh, for the um, Seekers Beyond the Shroud that that one used uh, one of my published albums, so one of the tracks. So yeah, that's the closest I I I've gone to. I've get to I I got to to making some music for my games, but yeah, well, I, I guess it will happen sooner or later.
0: I uh, I hope you do it one day. I would love to see it. Yeah so uh what would you say are the five biggest or three biggest role-playing game influences on you you don't need to go into a lot of detail but if folks wanted to know sort of what inspires you that other folks have done what what games would you point them at
1: well I'd definitely stormbringer or stormbringer slash elric whatever you but yeah for me it was more stormbringer because it was the one that was the first rpg i bought well I bought it, but, but, but uh, with with uh, birthday pre- uh, money because I was twelve when I got the sure. game. So yeah, the first uh, that the at least in Spain it was this green cover, Elric, and uh, this very okay. iconic uh, illustration of Elric with the green one. I'm sure you know. I don't know. I think in the United States oh, the you know, Michael was,
0: Whelan cover. I have that copy yeah. on my shelf. Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have two of them actually.
0: Oh, nice.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. That game and that cover, and I mean that—that's the game I, I started the most probably, I, and I made so much content for that game. I, I made tons and tons. I—I I think I developed almost every setting. I mean, every city that is mentioned in the book, I—I I made uh, maps for it and in this wow. everything. I mean, it was years and years of homebrew campaigns for for that okay. game. So, yeah, a lot of content. So yeah, that one was definitely a big influence. Then design-wise, uh, I will have to mention, of course, Rollmaster, which is one of my favorite games despite all the hated gates because of the crunchiness it has. And it's just, I mean, like all people or most people, I started uh, with Dungeons & Dragons, but the second we discovered uh, Master it was like, yeah, okay, no Vansion Magic. Why, why would we play Dungeons & Dragons when we can play this? It has much sure. more... Character options. We we back then. I wasn't the GM, and we had a very 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 good dedicated GM. So that was probably part of why it was so easy for me and my friends to get into it because he really he, he really chewed all the all the all the rules for us. It was very easy to, to play. And then I don't know. Um, I'm not sure uh, what I will as big influences. I suppose Dungeons and Dragons, but uh, sure. like, no edition in particular. Like just the the game, the the core rules. Is, uh,
0: I think I think it's hard to escape D and D as an influence, no matter what. In a lot of ways, yeah. especially if you work in the fantasy space.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's very easy to to work with. It's everybody's familiar with it, so and it's fun. It's uh, regardless of the edition. I'm I'm currently running a D and D campaign. And I call it that a and D campaign because it's no edition. It's it's a mix of uh, all editions. I, I've taken something from all editions and from a lot of of the OSR, of course. So it's a it's my homebrew D and D game. So yeah, it's in, in, inescapable and and it's fun. It it works. So I guess my third game will be D and
0: D. Well, there you go. All right, that's really interesting. Uh, so. I warned you about some of these questions in advance because I wanted you to be prepared. So, what is one question you've always wanted to answer in an interview that you've never been asked, and that I'm going to ask you to answer it?
1: Yeah. Um, I'm afraid I couldn't think of any. No, and
0: that that's fine. It's totally fine.
1: No, but I, I, I get that. I, I, I do remember in other interviews thinking more than once. Why they didn't ask about this? And now I can't. I can't think of anything.
0: Once you're so, once you're on the hook, it's a lot harder to remember.
1: Yeah, I've been thinking for it for for the past half an hour, and I just can't think of anything. So I'm, I'm sorry to, to disappoint. No, you're fine. You'll see the second we stop the interview, I'll say, "Oh yeah, I wanted this. This is what I wanted you to." Well, ask.
0: then we'll just have to schedule a follow up in a couple months. Yeah uh and then last but not least do you have any questions for me anything you'd like to ask
1: yeah definitely how how the hell are you so prolific how do you do it? <laughs> well i and on top of that maintaining good quality because it's not like you just uh, spat out garbage i mean no, all your games are like shit this is a brilliant idea why don't you focus on it for half a year and make the best game ever but no i, I you're like a machine gun of of fresh ideas and settings. So how how
0: do you do it? It's interesting. Yeah. I one thing so in terms of getting the work done, I think those are two different questions, right? One, where do the ideas come from? And two, how do I get it done? Yeah. Uh in terms of getting it done, I I work. Like I don't go to movies. I don't go to concerts. I don't like unless I'm I'm either working or I'm like spending time with my family or friends. Those are the things I do. Yeah. You know, and even when I read books or do watch movies, they're usually related to work. Um it's probably not the healthiest thing in the world, but Yeah, I'm
1: in, I'm into that same spiral for the past 3-4 months. So yeah, I get it.
0: <laughs> right? Like if I'm at home and I'm not doing something, I'm probably going to my desk in the next 5 minutes and just working.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um
0: So, and then as for the ideas, I mean, like much like you, I think I just make the games I want to make and I make the games I would want to play because I feel like if I want to play it, there is enough people out there who want to play it to justify me making it. And a lot of the times I'm a rules designer. I love making rules. I don't find settings as interesting as rules.
1: Yeah. Um. Because
0: partially because everybody has a setting idea, right? Like. And I know if I sell you a setting, you're going to change it anyway, so it kind of feels a little bit like I'm wasting my time yeah. to me. Whereas yeah. rules, I feel like that's the really interesting part of game development. And so a lot of my games come from me going, I have this idea for a rule. How can I justify using it? And often the answer is, I've got to write a whole new game.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's basically what I did with God's Shard. Because I had exactly. all these, these exploration rules and, and ideas, and I thought, OK. What kind of setting will, will fit this but I, I i'm afraid it's mostly that's we, we get it the other way around because when i talk to people they definitely prefer settings over rules and and, yep. and 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 most people just even want setting rules but at the same time they don't want this gigantic tomes of uh, 500 pages detailed right. settings so so yeah in that sense it, it's tricky to get the right balance <laughs> There,
0: yes, sometimes people are like, I would like to buy a setting, but also I don't want too much setting. I need you to figure yeah. out how much I want and then sell it to me.
1: Yeah, exactly. I, I think the, the answer, or at least the, what I'm thinking that works for me, is setting that it's um, explained passively, either through lots and lots and lots of tables sure. or, or the um, kind of world building you do when you describe uh, an, a magic item or a a person, or say you can, I mean, you do this uh, quite often as well. So when you describe this item, you maybe mention, okay, it was created by this clan of nomads in the whatever mountain. And you don't mention those mountains and that clan ever again in the book, but you know it's part of the game. So people get their ideas. I mean, it's it's there and and it sets a, a precedent for people to work with
0: right the implicit versus explicit yeah. divide right.
1: yeah thank you for yeah
0: that's <laughs> something i dramatically lean into with uh, shadows of a dying sun i really tried hard to say the game doesn't need to tell you about the setting because the rules and all the pieces that are in the book will already tell you without me writing it all down for
1: you yeah yeah, yeah definitely i think it's a it's cool passive way of world building and then the tables and tables and tables that everybody loves uh, a bunch of tables at least in the in the osr scene we're all fans of tables (laughs) i i
0: I, until recently have hated making tables i am finding them more enjoyable lately though i admit i still eventually look at them and go i'm done with this this is too much table
1: yeah no i personally it's it's dreadful for me it's uh, uh when and making a new game is like eighty percent of the time I spent on on that kind of content. I mean, the rules I iron out in in a week or two, and then the rest right. of the time is, is just writing the because I'm so bad at it. it. takes forever to come with with to come up with cool ideas. So yeah, it's it's. I hope people appreciate them.
0: I, well, I can tell you that I do, and I find your work incredibly inspiring, and I'm looking forward to getting more of it to the table and just in taking it to help me become a better designer. So thank you for all your hard work.
1: Well, thank you for, for being a constant inspiration too, for sure. All right.
0: Well, I appreciate that. That's very kind. Uh, Alex, if folks want to find you online or support you, what is the best way to do that?
1: Yeah, so the best way will be uh, just directly going to my website which is uh, blackoutgames.com. and there you have all the links uh, especially to to my pa- Patreon, I mean sorry, uh, well Patreon too, but uh, the Discord which I I live there. I'm <laughs> except when I'm sleeping, I'm always there. So it's if you want to to contact me, I'm I'm there all the time. So I'm I, I'm also on on Twitter although that's more of my personal account so if you don't want to hear about politics or veganism don't go there <laughs> <laughs> but yeah if you want to focus on games go to Discord my website and 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 I guess Facebook even though I'm not a big fan of oh, oh yeah I'm also on Instagram oh, everywhere you can find me as uh blackout games or blackout entertainment but yeah right. just go to go to my site and you have all the links there
0: Well, Alex, thank you so much for coming on. And I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you for having me. It's it's been very fun.
0: Good. All right, folks, I'm Alan Barr. This is my guest, Alex T. of Black Oath Entertainment. And this has been Radio Free RPG.